Welcome to the first episode of Why Christ. Me and my friend Wyatt here are going to be discussing the toughest issues that face Christianity today and how that has to do with the secular world as well. I am here with my friend Wyatt Winfield, and we have started this podcast to address a few questions. We're going to address all the difficult discussions that Christians have, have been posed to have with uh, skeptics of the Christian faith and, and of other religions that, that doubt the legitimacy of Christianity itself. Um, but we also wanted to wrap all of those discuss- discussions and questions into a primary question, which is, why follow Christ? Why is Christ the answer above, above all other answers? When you, when, you ans- when you ask a question, there are many, many different answers you could, you could propose someone to answer that the question, but, but there's only one true question. There is, there is a, such a thing as absolute truth. There is, there is either a God or there is not a God. There's not both of those answers. Jesus was either who he said he was or something entirely different, but there's not multiple answers to the same question that are both mutually correct. So I'm here with Wyatt and me and him have been friends for a good amount of time now. And uh, me and him both became Christians in very different ways. So I wanted to give him a minute to just discuss how exactly you became a Christian. Sure thing. So I grew up in the Catholic church um, and I came to know God through his antithesis, actually, with a little um, interaction with the demonic and some associated demonic oppression. And uh, once you experience evil to that degree, you know, God's love and, and the opposite of that evil, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, God is, is such an attractive detail and honestly uh, became apparent to me that there is, there is no other option other than, other than God. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a miserable existence without him. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I found that there's, there's many different ways that one of the coolest things about Christianity itself is that there's so many different ways that people actually come to the faith. Um, but there's primarily like two reasons, and I think they're actually, I think they're actually correlated in some sense that everyone kind of faces both of these 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 transformation processes. And uh, the first one, uh, for most people, I think, is that they go through a really dark period of time in, in their lives, like uh, similar to to the, this the demonic oppression you face, and and the, and it has different shapes and forms from financial burden to divorce to loss of a child to, to traumatic instances to less dramatic instances where you just you're not really happy with yourself you're you might be having suicidal thoughts you face depression god seems to work best in the darkest periods of time in people's lives but there's also a second part of that uh, that's not just the the emotional response where you basically cry out for help there's also like the rational part of christianity which i think too too many people kind of push aside once they've come to the faith they're like well this is my religion now. This is my faith. This is my God. This is my my Bible. And then after that, they kind of dismiss every, they shrug off all the rest of the questions that come their way. So when they're actually faced with a, a good critique, a good question to their faith, they don't actually have a good answer because they all they hear is a reason to doubt what they've already come to know. Basically, they basically someone is questioning their support beam. And so if you're if you're actually gonna question your support being that's that can be dangerous for someone who who just got out of a a a life tragedy like that it can be devastating so the second part of it is the rational christianity where you actually answer those questions you at least you try to you you dive into those questions and you you search out answers and that's actually the, the primary reason that brought me to christ originally was that that initial search to 
disprove it. Honestly, was my first instinct was to disprove it, but it w- it wasn't just the it wasn't just about trying to disprove Christianity. It was it was trying to prove to myself that I wasn't like accountable to anything, because there's there's things I was doing in my life that I didn't really want to change. You know, like it's it's hard to, for someone who who lives a life a certain way to actually want to change anything about that life. And so I think that's why this this podcast is so cool is because. I think a lot of people ask that question in different forms, the why Christ question. And there's different forms of the same question. There's why should I follow Christ? Why should I let go of everything that I have and follow Christ? Or my life, or maybe you're, you're saying that my life's really bad, but is Christ the right answer? Why is Christ the answer better than all these other answers? Right. And then the other question is why should I trust what Christ said? Right. If you come to the conclusion that Christ was a historical figure, you come to the conclusion that the, the gospels, what Christ says in the gospels is, is accurate, at least it is accurately what he said. Then the third question becomes, okay, so is that true? He said it, sure, but is that even a true statement? So when, when someone's actually going on this journey, let's, let's take the position of a, a critic, okay? Someone who's, who's really skeptical about the whole Christianity thing. Maybe they're skeptical about religion itself. Sure. Where do you think the first place they should, they should start their, their their journey on the, the discovering truth and why is that important why is it important to discover truth why care the first place they should start in all honesty is with themselves and since we're we're pretty selfish creatures as as men and and women um if you start with yourself then it's easy to keep interest because it's easy to to dive into things that apply to you rather than things that are outside of you yourself. Mm. So I think if you start with the truth of, of creation and you start with the truth of man and what man is, Mm. then it'll be a sweet enough taste of the big picture to keep somebody hooked for the whole story. Mm. No, I think you're exactly right. And one of the things that, um, uh, Jordan Peterson, someone that we both admire, he, he often talks about this idea of this, this evil inside everyone. Sure. Us. And I think that's honestly one of the the greatest motivating tools to actually seek out a, a, a truth that, that that rationalizes what's going on. Because a lot of people like to think to themselves as as morally superior um, in terms of of what where they would actually scoop to. Like some people are like when they look at let's say a German uh, Nazi guard. And they, they see that guy and they're like, I would never, I would never do that. I would be the guy who was hiding Jews in my basement and, and fear and putting my whole family at risk of being sent to Holocaust camps and, 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 and in search of like, a, I'm morally superior to all of those other people. Well, it feels good to think about mm-hmm. yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, but the truth is that that's the very, the, the people that hid the Jews in their in their basements, those are sadly the broad minority. Like they're extreme minorities. They're, you cannot find them like anywhere in real society because you have to be willing not only to put yourself in, in harm's way, like serious physical harm, your entire life uprooted. You also have to risk putting your entire family's life uprooted. And if they were really extreme, they would go to your extended family or anyone that was friends with you, associated with you that knew about this at all. They would all be at risk. So it takes a major amount of courage and moral 
stability and foundations to actually go on this. And, and if your, if your morality is based in a society and not in a fundamental truth, then you have no reason not to go along with Nazi Germany. You have no reason to stand against it unless you have a fundamental foundation to say, to stand upon and say, no, no. Cause if you're, if you're, if you're, if your way of going about life is, I'm just want to conform with society. I want to, I want to fall by society's rules. Cause that's what's easy, right? It's easy to go along with society's rules. Society sets up all these different rules. If you abide by them, you're going to do great in the society. But what if your society is corrupt and evil? What if your society endorses slavery? What if your society endorses genocide? Well, more often than not, then you're just going to be a product of your environment. Exactly. Exactly. So when we get to this, when we bring this back to this why Christ section, so then the question becomes, you've, you've, you've determined that, that we, I need something fundamental in my life. I need some foundation. Sure. So I think the first question is where would I find that? And I think that would be in God, right? Yes. So then the first question is, okay. How, is God is God real or not? And we can we can discuss that in later in more depth later because that is a deep question that deserves hours and hours of discussion. But there's there's the second question, which is okay, if there is this God, right? Okay, who is he and what is he? Right? Is he is if he just this this creator who just created everything and walked away, or is he a creator that created everything and then dropped off a rule book and then walked away, or is he a creator that Created everything, worked in people's lives, shaped humanity, and interacts with you on a personal level. Well, the third option, of course, um, but that's that's mostly because of this Holy Bible right here mm-hmm. and the words written within it rather than our own interpretations. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the interpretations of mankind over, over mankind's history, then they vary. Mm-hmm. All of those options are prevalent. Yeah. But... I think God is unique when it when you take human religions from a historical standpoint and you mm-hmm. compare them. And the nature of God is um, is oddly it's more of a humble figure mm-hmm. with the capacity for might and power, mm-hmm. um, and a very gentle figure with the capacity for might and power. Right. And you know, a God that would that would kind of lower himself almost to a point in which he can interact with you on on a uh, intimate level mm-hmm. and even the story of Christ, right? God becoming man and lowering himself to pretty much the, the class of a servant, mm-hmm. right? That's unheard of. Um, and, and that's the unique nature of God in comparison to a lot of the historical religions, mm-hmm. but that's something revealed to us only from the text. Mm-hmm. When you take the interpretations of people in general and you, you rely off their subjective experience of who they think God is and you stray too far from from this this text, mm-hmm. then you can run into confounds, and then you can you can morph the definition of who God is because you're just you're just taking somebody's worldview. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And something that I personally faced when I was actually at the point in my life where I was ready to like go out and find out the truth, you know, like yeah. okay, is God real? But then that question wasn't even as overwhelming as who God is because society and the world and world history have offered tons and tons and tons of answers to that question, right? They, they have, they have, there's thousands of religions throughout all of world history that offer different explanations to these answers, right? There's even within, within the Bible, people have sprouted out different religions from that, right? Yeah. 
uh, the Judaism and within Judaism, there's multiple branches and then there's Christianity. And then out of Christianity came Islam and the Latter-day Saints, right? Mm-hmm. They all branched off of this one ideology. So even if you come to the conclusion that the Old Testament is true, right? Even if you come to that conclusion, you're still faced with the New Testament. And then is that true? And if that's true, then is the Quran true? And if that's true, then is, and if that's not true, okay, well, what about the Book of Mormon? Is that true? There's all these different religions based off the same fundamentals that take drastically different views on how the world is and how the world will be and who is in charge of it all. Sure. And it's, and it's, I think you made a really good point because you can really narrow it down to about four religions, I think. If you, if you just ask this one question, was the God created by man or did God create man? And you can look at that by the things you mentioned. Is it unique? Because if if a God is created by man, he's going to be an image of man. Meaning your God is going to be boastful. He's going to be a king. He's going to be a godlike figure like Zeus. You know, he's, all, he's powerful. He's going to smite down his enemies. He is a massive like powerhouse. And he's, he's, he's taking it multiple wives with all these people all across the world. He's, he's basically living like the, the quote-unquote male fantasy. Yeah, the man everybody wanted to be. Yep, yep. And then God was the exact opposite of that. He was, he had, he was a man of principle. He was a, more than a man, obviously, but he was a, he was a figure that, that had principles that were beyond what anyone else at the time was doing. Mm-hmm. The, the two, one of the two closest comparisons you can make is if you look at Judaism in, in, its, ancient te- in its ancient times, and compare it to uh, other cultures around the area, drastically different. Drastically. Oh, yes. Now it wasn't. It wasn't that Israel was just completely amazing at that point. They still had their issues too. Yep. But like a good parent, you don't just teach a toddler how to sprint across a court and dunk a basketball, or you teach them how to like use your manners at a table at two years old. No, you you teach them step by step by step. First, you say them to say please and thank you, and then you teach them how to have a full bunk conversation. There's a progression there. Same thing goes with society. But the point is, Israel was leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else in that area. Yep. And it was because they put their faith in a God that it wasn't created by them, but created them. And I think that's the most important important thing. So then, well, then that moves us to Jesus. So I'm, this is the question I have for you. So Jesus. Okay. What makes him unique? You, you mentioned a few things, but I want you to expand on it. What do you think makes him unique in his time and place? Right. Well, I, I just talked a little bit about what makes God unique, Israel's God unique, but what makes Jesus unique? Okay, I'm going to start with what doesn't make him unique, um, and that's only through a biblical context, which in itself is unique. But one thing God likes to do is He likes to take what is meek and and use it to destroy what is mighty, and that's one thing. That's one consistency of Christ. However, He is unique because he was not what the Jewish people expected. And he wasn't what the average person would expect from a Messiah-type figure. Mm. He was born in a manger, literally next to animal I don't, uh, dung. Yeah, we're going to keep it PG. <laughs> um, in the midst of a nasty situation, um, he was a carpenter. He worked his tukis off day in and day out. It's not easy work. It's not like he had power tools. He he was a humble figure too, and he challenged all of the social norms of the time in a positive way. 
I mean, you could be a rebel, but if you're not doing it for a virtuous cause, you're just a buffoon. And, and Christ was willing to appear a buffoon to, to everybody just to get his point across, even unto death. Um, and it takes a lot of humility to accept a death that's preordained and a lot of, there's a lot of argument over whether or not he knew from the very beginning, but regardless, he definitely knew at some point mm-hmm. that he was going to die Yeah, in such a horrific means. And he was willing to accept that burden. And so I think what makes Christ unique is that God become man was still obedient unto the will of God. Mm. And that takes the absence of pride entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what you that is what is unique about any heroic figure, um, especially one of, of this caliber, is when you compare him to all of mankind's creations, the lack of pride and boasting is one thing that Christ had that, that none of the other heroes figures did. Um, so I think that's really what makes Christ unique is is that servant position he took just to really get our attention unto his dying breath. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're. I think you're exactly right there, and I know we're going through a lot of these these issues fairly fast. But it's it's more of to open up the dialogue that we're going to be continuing to have. I want Indeed. to. I want to go into each of these issues in more depth. Um, but I think this first episode just serves as a is a basically like a book cover of what of what is to come. Yeah, and like the the back paragraph almost. Exactly. Exactly. So for for this this final little thought, I want to give out there. So let's let's say we work through all these issues. Let's say. Someone listening to this, for some reason, is super convinced over this this 15-minute or however long it's been uh, conversation so far, right? And they, they've, they've worked away like, okay, so I can see that God is unique. Okay, he's, he's, that makes sense. Okay, I can see that Jesus is unique, and he, he's probably not just a created figure by man, but probably something more than that. So what? Let's say I believe in all of that. Let's say that okay. I believe in all of that. The question becomes, so what? And I think I think that is is answered by understanding what the first point we brought up, which is the divine evil within all of us or the, the overwhelmingly amount of evil that's deep inside of all of us and understanding that that exists. And then understanding that the only way out of that is through Christ. So my question is basically, so what? So why should somebody who's, who's hearing this message who, who may be like, okay, Maybe you're right. Maybe this is true. So what? All right. Now that's a that's a tough question because you have to you have to shoulder in answering it and in applying the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. All of the pessimism of the natural world and all of all of the world's mundane and just uncomfortable aspects. But they're there for a reason. So what? Because it matters. That's the simple answer. But it matters because it is revolutionary. And it matters because Jesus Christ is an invitation to escape death and to escape the suffering of this world, to transcend the the bitter reality of the world that we've been given and replace your suffering with the peace of God, not to escape from suffering. He never, ever promises an escape from worldly suffering, but he does promise eternal life and he promises peace within the suffering Mm -hmm. until death bring you into eternal life. Mm -hmm. Christ changed the world unlike 
any figure ever in history. And there have been some great conquerors and some great generals, but the common theme is that they all die and their their creations fade away. But Christ instituted a church that is still alive and well mm-hmm. 2,000 years later, Amen. a little bit under. But nonetheless, it's still going to be around 2,000 years later, that 2030 um, event. Nonetheless, though, Christ, Christ impacted every person inadvertently. Because the world we grew up in today has, has, has been revolutionized. We have become stewards of God's word as a result of Christ. He, he equipped us with the perspective necessary to build a functioning society that we can enjoy and prosper from today. And the application of Christ's principles will only serve to further improve our current existence it can only get better from here. It can only be more of a heaven on earth if we actually take up the responsibility and bear the cry, cross of following Christ. Amen. Amen. That's that's really good. Um, I want to end with this, this, this little thought. You may have heard this message and you may have said, oh, I've heard this, this message a million times before. I went to Sunday school. I, I've, I've been through the motions. I've, I've heard this. Roll my eyes. Oh, well. But there, there's some really deep, important issues that you need to address in your personal life that everyone needs to address in their personal life. Understanding that the rules of society aren't enough, that if you abide by the rules of society, you are just as flawed or just as good as that society is. And societies change all the time and society has no fundamental standards other than what's culturally accepted. You'll feel empty. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if your standard isn't society, but it's yourself, then it's, then it's subjective to you. Right. If if I, if a if a, a mass murderer says that murder is okay, then you can't really tell him it's wrong because to him, murder is okay. Right. He's he's fine with murder. He murders all the time. It's not a big deal to him. But you say, okay, that's contrary to society standards. Okay, but what if your society condo- condones murder? What if it's okay in in your society? Then is it justified? I I, I would urge that there's a, a a bigger fundamental question that underlines all of this, that has a standard, that there is a standard, that murder isn't ever okay, that rape isn't ever okay. There's never an acceptable time, place in history ever that rape, murder, or any other serious offense is justified, not by the society, not by the self, not by the group, not by anybody, because there's an overlying standard. And the question is, what is that standard? Who set that standard and are you going to be judged by that standard? And the message I'm going to give you today is, yes, you will be judged by that standard. And God gave that standard. And the only way that you can be counted righteous, because all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of that standard. The only way that you are counted as righteous by that standard is if the person who made that standard and went past that standard takes your place on the stand in the holy courtroom. This is the only way that you will be counted as righteous. So until next week, when we go over a different topic and we'll dive into some of these issues, ponder that question, ponder the question of why is it important that I follow Christ? Am I going to be judged by this standard? And do I even come close to meeting that standard? 
Thank you for joining us. This is the Why Christ. God bless. Thank you.